Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Saturday morning and welcome to another episode of Collider Mailbag and this one promises to be quite interesting and combustible because I've chosen one of my favorite guests who I don't know what will happen with her but I'm so happy to welcome her for her first time on Collider Mailbag. Darina, how are you? I am good. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is new. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, well, you did. You've done Collider Live now and I've yeah. t- been trying to get you on Mailbag and we found the right Friday finally yes. for you to come on. Uh, and you are going to answer some questions here from the fans. Yes. Are, like, are you? This is, do you like answering questions? Yes, I do because things? that's my favorite part of this whole thing mm-hmm. is the nerd community because we're all nerds and I love sharing and talking about our passions. Right. And, and it's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to do this. Yeah, I love it. Let's I love do that. it. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. And you guys know how this works. We answer questions from the fans. We picked five out for today. Always love when you send in the questions. Remember to look for those callouts on Instagram, on Twitter. With that hashtag Collider Mailbag makes it easier for me to find. And also, if you don't like social media, maybe you hate social media, you can't bother with it, you can email us questions always at mailbag at collider.com. Always been always great to read those questions and pick out a bunch of them. Picked out about 25 of them that I really like. Sent them on to Darina. Darina picked five that she really wanted to talk about. So we're going to jump into it. So let's and do it. And they're all about Blade Runner. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's right. I wish. Yeah. Right, no, there's first, some good ones. Good job, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. There's some great questions today. Let's for, uh, first one comes from email. It's shadowlink one. 1008. He asks, hey guys, thank you for all the work and entertainment you provide. My question is, if you really think about it, what is the one film you've probably watched the most? And if you think you can put a number to it, how many times you've seen it? For me, it has to be either Airplane or Star Wars A New Hope. I've probably seen it at least, no joke, 50 plus times each. 
age. There you go. All right, Duna, what's your answer to these questions? Oof, so, this question? so definitely, I remember specifically the movie I saw the most in the theater mm-hmm. it was Home Alone. Oh, wow. <laughs> My family and I were obsessed with that movie when it came out, uh-huh. and we thought it was the funniest thing ever, mm-hmm. and we watched it like 10 times in the theater. I kid you not. <laughs> My mom made us like sandwiches, and we brought the chips and everything. We right. sneaked all the food into the theater, and it was so much fun. So that's the one I've seen the most in the theater. However, the movie I've seen the most ever is obviously Blade Runner, because it's yeah. my favorite movie of all time. Okay. Uh, and also, I see that movie and Nightmare Before Christmas once a year in mm-hmm. the theater. Wow. Oh, be- so, yeah, in the theater here around town. Yeah, they yeah, because they, cause we're time. lucky to be in L.A., and, mm-hmm. and they have screenings uh, once a year. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is like Halloween time, mm-hmm. you know. Over um, at the LCAP, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But um, And also, I mean, we don't really watch TV anymore, but mm-hmm. back in the day, when Big and Back to the Future yeah. and Princess Bride were on TV, I had to finish them. Like, I couldn't right. actually stop watching them. Right, it's one of those things yeah. where you stumble upon, you're like, I've got to finish it no matter where it's yeah. at. So yeah, so those three movies for me were just like, I watched them all the time as a kid. Ah, that's so funny. Yeah. I definitely throw Princess Bride in on my list. I've seen that every time it's on. Right. I, I They recently released a Criterion Collection version of it, which I bought oh, okay. day of it came out, and it was so... I really ex- had a great time exploring the behind-the-scenes on that film and how it was made, definitely. It's interesting, you split up between theater, between seeing the movies and this, so I hadn't thought about that, but for me, I guess, if, if we're talking in the theaters, the three movies I've seen the most in the theaters were Die Hard, which I saw like nine times, Batman 1989, I saw like eight times, oh, yeah. and I'm not going to lie to you, Titanic, I saw eight times in the theaters. In the theater. In the theater. That it's, is a long movie to sit through in the that's theater. Right. Well, I'll probably see Endgame at least eight or nine that's times true. as well. That looks, that's a three-hour movie. It's fantastic. But as far as watching movies over and over again, as we see on the uh, pay channels or on our cable, Top Gun I've seen about a million times. I, I can't it's give you movie. 50, probably 300. Major League, I, every time I stumble on Major League, that's probably one of my favorite sports movies ever. The Godfather Part 2 uh, and Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. So that's, good. Wrath of Khan, I cannot resist. I so cannot good. Resist. I mean, that soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack. The James is Horner well. soundtrack. It's the best Star Trek. I think. It's yeah. Music-wise. Absolutely. And also movie-wise. I would say movie-wise still it's still the best movie. one. Yeah. yeah. Shawshank Redemption is another one to throw in there really as good. well. And I think I'm with Doreen on Blade Runner as well. I, I've owned every version of Blade Runner that's ever been released from VHS to DVD to Blu-ray and to 4K. It was one of the first 4K purchases I made when I bought a 4K television was Blade Runner because I couldn't believe they converted it into 4K. So. And this is why we're friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that five, the five edition one is the one, the Five uh, disc right. one. That's that was one that was like gold on my shelf for so long because it was fun to see the different interpretations of it. Because I saw it in the theaters when it had the voiceover for the first time. Of course so you did because you're 80. <laughs> no, it's not true. <laughs> you uh, just look really good for your age. John. Thank you. It's true. All right. What's your uh, what's the next question we have, Dorina? Okay. So let's see. Oh, After I gotta read it, John, okay. and you're oh, not giving you it to me. You bad. just want me to like have. It. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> so after watching the first trailer, who's for... this from? Who's this from? Oh. Lassie or Lass? Sure. Jay Nordbeck writes, after watching the first trailer for Men in Black 4, is it 4 or 3? Yeah, okay. both. I was quite interested in the movie, but after seeing the second trailer today, I have lost any and all interest completely. Not that it wasn't good, but simply because it was too informative. This isn't the first time a trailer has ruined my curiosity for a movie by giving away too much. Has this happened to you? Do you feel it's a general problem that movies are over-trailered? Yeah, I'm starting to feel that way recently because studios are really trying to inundate you with a mm-hmm. lot of trailers because uh, now we've got the teaser trailer, which is 
insane to me. What's the difference? A trailer is a trailer. Mm-hmm. Then you have then we have all these multiple TV spots, which in essence are TV spot trailers. I and when you're looking forward to a film like Avengers Endgame, you don't want to see a lot of no. trailers. Just get to the point. Does it look good? Great. I'm in. Don't need to show me any more trailers. Maybe one or two trailers tops in the whole promotional campaign, but that's not how marketing works nowadays. They need to hit you, and I think it's because the lower generation or the younger generations are their attention span is quick. It's mm-hmm. fast, and so they want to throw a bunch of stuff out there so that people don't forget to go see the films. And so many studios rely on opening weekend box office mm-hmm. to determine success of their films rather than long term, like it used to be in the older times. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not not going to see these movies, right? right? But I, you know, we just had the new uh, Star Wars Episode Nine trailer, right. which was great, a fantastic trailer. Whatever you think of the movies, it is a great trailer, mm-hmm. and that's all I need. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't need to see anything else. I just now I just want to see the movie, right? right? And so um, it's. I wish studios didn't spend so much money on marketing for big budget movies. Mm-hmm. In fact, I preferred it if that budget went to smaller movies, right? Because we don't. We're, everybody's going to see Avengers, yeah. Right. We don't need a ton of TV spots like you were saying, or mm-hmm. a ton of trailers to go see those movies, right? right. Um, and at the same time, I also kind of miss going to a theater and seeing a trailer for the first time. Yeah. You know, like oh, like yeah. like during the previews mm-hmm. where like because now we all watch them online, right? Because they announce that the trailer's coming out. Right. So I actually miss, miss that experience of like, oh, what's this movie? And then all of a sudden you you know like the first time I saw the Lord of the Rings trailer mm-hmm. that I was like, what's that? <laughs> I had no idea what that was because I hadn't read the books yet, right. you know? So that oh, was wow. that okay. was really exciting to see who these new characters were mm-hmm. and that's all I needed to get me hooked into to watching that movie. Yeah, you know? Uh, you make a great point. Last night I was, uh, we went to Avengers Endgame again uh, and uh, the opening trailers oh, were... Oh, good for you. I haven't seen it yet. What? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm seeing it Sunday. Anyway. Oh, okay. okay. I'll buy a ticket right now. Yeah. Uh, there, was a, there was a trailer for the Star Wars, for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, a trailer for the new Hobbs and Shaw movie, Which and, looks great. Uh, and a trailer for Dark Phoenix, but all those trailers I'd already seen before. Yeah. So you're right. We lose, that's the exchange for having more connectability, is we lose the authenticity of seeing a trailer for the first time mm-hmm. in the theaters, especially those of us who work in this business, because we right. have to, right? right? We have to see these trailers, we have to comment on them. But there is no reason for John Wick 3 to have three right. or four trailers. It makes yeah. no sense. After one or two, you're good. The people yeah. are in one way or another, and you know as it's ramping up into that, there's going to be multiple TV spots as well through this thing, trying exactly. to get people. So uh, I wish they'd pull back, but you know their marketing departments they must do it for a reason. All right, our next tra- our next question is a Twitter question from at underscore MC Butler underscore. He asks, he or she asks, "What's your favorite football uh, in parentheses soccer film?" Now, Darina and I are massive soccer fans or football fans, so this felt like a he good just question. roots for the wrong team. But, <laughs> oh, you know. please, so does no, she. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Go ahead and tell me what's, what's your favorite. <laughs> Favorite uh, soccer slash football film? You know, um, when I uh, was, I'm a Man U fan. Mm. I can hear the yays and the boos from the fans. Um, and uh, I grew up uh, watching Beckham when oh, he yeah, was yeah. when he when he was uh, a new you know kid right. in, in Manchester United. And so I actually really I remember going to see Bend It Like Beckham in mm-hmm. the theater. You know, and and uh, it was a really sweet yeah. uh, movie. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 not necessarily like a quote unquote like a a, a, a 
a movie about the sport. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more about the family and stuff. But I thought it was a really cute movie. Um, and but one that I actually really enjoy rewatching a lot is uh, Shaolin Soccer <laughs> <laughs> because it's just so fun and ridiculous. That's a great choice. Um, it's just ridiculous in, in the best way possible. Yeah. Um, but I think my if you're going to talk about like a good soccer movie, it's uh, the documentary of my favorite uh, player of all time, which is Sidane. Oh yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know if you saw it. I think it was no. called a, a, a Sidane uh, 21st Century Portrait or something like wow, that. Wow. Okay. And it's basically it's a really interesting. It's not like a one-sided like let's see how amazing mm-hmm. this player is. Mm-hmm. It, it was basically uh, uh, when he was in Real Madrid mm-hmm. when he used to play for Real Madrid, and uh, it was a clash. It was a La Liga clash against Villarreal. Okay. And all they did is they put a bunch of cameras around him and they just shot his reaction to and, and the wow. way he played the entire time okay. to a soundtrack by Mogwai, which is one one of an, an amazing band. So it's really, really cool. I highly recommend okay. it. If you're a huge soccer fan, it's a really interesting thing to see. Yeah, I've been yeah. working my way through soccer documentaries now. Uh-huh. And I've really been, like, I just saw a 30 for th- uh, uh, ESPN Plus documentary on George Best, okay. who was a fantastic soccer player from the 70s who came over later uh, to play for the NASL here in America, 60s and 70s. And, you know, they he was the first superstar soccer player. And mm-hmm. they talk about what that experience was like and hey, the drinking and the right. wasted potential. All that is fascinating. You throw that in with the two Escobars, which is one of the most incredible yeah. do- soccer documentaries, and even the great one on the North American Soccer League. What a game. That, that, that was, those are great ones. But for me, uh, the, the soccer film I always come back to uh, all the time since I saw it the first time is The Damned United, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic film from mm-hmm. uh, with Michael Sheen in it and Timothy Spall. They great play, actors. Yeah, yeah two, great, two great actors. They play the real-life uh, 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 managers there. Uh, uh, Clough, uh, who took over, who, who was a, uh, he was a, a coach for Nottingham Forest and took them to European Cup titles, but it chronicles when he went to coach uh, Leeds and how he had gone from a smaller team to coach Leeds United and all the trouble he gets into trying to incorporate his style against these players who had, he had a bit of a bias towards because they had been so rough and violent towards his players when mm-hmm. he was coaching another team. And so that film just chronicles what it's like in the football world and how driven he was to become successful. Right. Uh, and it's just a fascinating acting uh, portrayal from Michael Sheen for this guy. And so, yeah. and, you, and it's incredible. Like uh, he does a great job bringing this guy to life. So yeah, and it's it, it's an interesting perspective that we don't get as fans usually because yeah. we just hear about you know we watch the games and we watch coaches getting pissed and, yeah. and it's funny you know yeah. but um, but we don't get to see that drama behind the scenes right. and so it's a very interesting movie yeah, yeah absolutely sure. uh, okay what's our next one okay so Isaiah Newlands writes hello John and reputable guest <laughs> <laughs> little did Isaiah knew who he had as a guest my question is in regard to the future of Leica given the diminishing box office returns of the four films proceeding Coraline, many industry insiders have begun questioning the studio's financial stability. This may also be due in part to the fact that the studio's content has become increasingly inaccessible to youth viewers. Mm. In 2011, Leica announced that they had optioned the rights to a popular series of young adult novels titled Wildwood, with the intention of adapting it into a stop-motion animation. My question is twofold. Have you heard of any movement on this project since its announcement eight years ago? And more importantly, could the production of a fantastically dark existing IP be the key to Leica's return to profitability to profitability, given its accessible plot and franchise potential. Thank you, and may you forever be sweaty. That's awesome. Oh, well, I've done, I did some research on this, and there's not much to update about the movement on the project that I know of or I was able to find. They did option it. They certainly, it is in their plan.
plans. However, and they had, I think they had assigned a, a couple of actors to it as well mm-hmm. that they had announced. And the, the film, just to give you a little bit of plot, plot synopsis for this particular book, Wildwood, uh, it's about a 13-year-old girl who goes on an odyssey through a magical forest to rescue her baby brother who's been kidnapped by crows. And it was supposed to come out the, uh, last year, actually, and it never quite got uh, finished. And then they did this other one, Missing Link, uh, and they've moved over from Focus Features to United Artists. And a lot of industry analysts are saying that that's the reason why this film didn't perform as strongly as their previous films in the past because mm-hmm. they moved to a new studio mm-hmm. and the pro- and the marketing department and the push for it wasn't as strong as what they'd found in Focus Features. So mm-hmm. that may be a problem. That may be the issue with their profitability. Also, the last two films haven't been as good as the previous two films. I thought Kubo and the Two Strings How was fantastic. Dare you. <laughs> I thought Box Trolls was not good, but I liked Kubo and the okay, Two okay. Strings. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah. but, but this one was this one was middling. And if you're going to spend that much time creating something as beautiful as what uh, Leica is able to do, if you don't have a plot that's strong enough, I think that's the reason why uh, the profitability is down, not so much the uh, the story or the IP. Right. I mean, and this makes me sad because I love Leica. Yeah. I love all their movies. I have their vinyl records. Like I'm obsessed with oh, wow. them. It was my favorite Comic Con party I went to. I got to see, you know, the way that they make these movies. Yeah. And it's the craftsmanship that goes behind everything they do is the stop motion. Like, it's it's much harder than you think. It's so much hard work that these mm. incredible artists put into making these movies look so gorgeous. Like, Kubo and the Two Strings is one of the most beautifully animated-looking movies. Yeah. It's it's just stunning, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it's a beautiful story, too. They did a really good job, and not a lot of people saw it, yeah. you know? And that makes me really sad, and it's... Unfortunately, maybe that's just because people are used to, you know, seeing what they're, they're familiar with. You know, all these franchises we all always talk about like superhero stuff you know star wars and so it makes me sad that these movies are kind of not as as popular especially because i also feel like story-wise they may not be like a couple of the ones you mentioned like Mm -hmm. missing link or box trolls they may not be a Coraline or a paranorman or or a kubo but they still i feel like respect kids intelligence Mm. you know and i and i think all these movies May try to be different and mm-hmm. and 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 than most of the family movies that we see mm-hmm. usually you know and so go see these movies guys <laughs> please because they're so good if you haven't seen them they're like paranorman is one of my favorite yes. movies of all time yeah. so yeah, i agree with you paranorman caroline uh Coraline rather and uh uh Hubo are incredible experiences yeah. in the theater or to watch at home uh but those other t- box trolls and and uh missing link just didn't quite catch on and it may just be this may be a a horrible truth to accept is that maybe their stable of directors or writers or creators isn't as strong as the Pixar stable of writers and creators and directors it's to to lose someone like Travis Knight right. and have someone slide in and take the spot and be just as powerful. We've right. seen numerous Pixar directors, as soon as one moves on to something else, another one slides in, takes the spot, and goes forward from there. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. I also wonder if the style is never going to quite go over the top to be 100% uh, wanted by a majority animation fans you know which makes me sad because it's what it's the best looking animated movies out there yeah. you know like as much as pixar writes good stories they yeah. all kind of look the same yeah in terms of the animation you style, know like yeah. artistically like a dust i think is what is the best studio out there mm-hmm. for the for the way they actually make things look so even if you're not into the stories as much you can appreciate the the, the stunning visuals you yeah. know yeah so. they're kind of like independent movies mm-hmm. in a, a mainstream market uh, at times and right. that like you don't expect the returns to be as 
as big, but you certainly want them to make their money so that you can keep making them. You know? Exactly. Because you enjoy looking at them. And she's right. Yeah. The visuals of them are incredible. So yeah. if you haven't seen any of these Leica films, do yourself a favor and do that. Yes, because I want more. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's get to our last question. It's from uh, Twitter, at JScottForReal, asks, uh, what score soundtracks are the best for background music in various social settings? Uh, when Darina has, goes out in social settings, not often, but certainly tacos <laughs> are involved in drinking, from what I understand. Uh, I love me some Howard Shore and James Horner, J. Scott says, but epic swells don't always fit the vibe. Darina, what works so for you? So I obviously had to pick this question because yeah. you guys know that I'm a huge scores and soundtracks nut. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I tried to make a, li- a little list, but it was hard. Oh, uh, if we're, we're going to go with s- movie soundtracks, and that just means the songs, not the actual scores, mm-hmm. right? Um, I actually really love Baby Driver out of like the oh, recent the recent movies. Like mm-hmm. That's a g- fantastic soundtrack. I mean, Edgar Wright in general mm-hmm. is like a Tarantino when it comes to music and his films. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just a really fun uh, seat, you know, album to have in the background if you're at a party or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, old school wise, I also uh, put in uh, Donnie Darko. I love Donnie Darko. <laughs> uh, two Prince albums, uh, Purple oh. Rain and the Batman 1989, which is super fun. Yes. Bad uh, Dance still holds up. Mm-hmm, party Man. Uh, and then uh, Romeo plus Julia. You know, there's all these soundtracks oh, yeah. that I used to listen to as a teenager. Like after I saw, you know, Romeo plus Julia, Train Spotting, yeah. all those movies that I was like immediately bought the album right after the movie. And they're, re- right. they're really fun uh, CDs to just listen to. Well, you oh. guys don't know CDs, but albums. <laughs> they're really good albums. Uh, scores wise, um, so I actually, I know a lot of people don't like the La La Land songs, mm. but I actually really like the score. Like, if you just have, like, the music, mm-hmm. not City of Stars, but no. the actual score is by Justin Horwitz is, is really good. Um, and, I mean, I'm always going to go with uh, uh, Blade Runner yeah. because it's a kind of slow, like, weird... Uh, you yeah. know, not not uh, maybe t- appeals to the masses, but you can have it at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. You can have it playing in the background if you're getting freaky. You can have you can have it for every thing out there that you can do. Is all I'm saying. So, uh, oh, and Tron Legacy by Oh Tron Legacy Daft Punk. Yep, it's really really good. I yes. should have thrown that on my list. Tron Legacy, yes. absolutely. That's one I come back to all the time. Vangelis, sure. I have that Blade Runner. I have like the cassette. That's all. I, and I remember <laughs> the 1940 song that's in, that's on there. That's so weird. Oh, yeah, one yeah. last time, my love, or something like um, that. It's uh, one, one more, more kiss, dear. One, one more kiss, yes. dear. Yeah, it's such a weird song in the middle of all this fantastic synth work. And Vangelis is in, was incredible in mm-hmm. the '80s. I have Chariots of Fire as one of my nice. favorite scores or soundtracks to put on. That just kind of inspires me on a Saturday, especially if it's raining and the windows are open. I put the Vangelis soundtrack on for Chariots of Fire. It's so great. First man. Do you has been, run in your living room? I do. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. In, yeah, right. That's what I do. <laughs> I put the first man. That's that's coming. Oh, that's a good one. That's coming into like prominence in my rotation a lot. Uh, Gladiator is one I definitely have on my uh, uh, scores uh, uh, list. Interstellar is fantastic. <sighs> the best Hans Zimmer soundtrack. It's yes. so good. I would agree with that. It's last so of the Mohicans is one that I thoroughly, thoroughly love. Uh, and the Last Samurai and Braveheart. Both of those. So I, I go for the epic ones. You may not like it, J. Scott, but I like epic swells all through my day and maybe because I'm a, a loud person and a big personality so to me epic is normal uh, um, and for uh, soundtracks themselves Old Brother Where Art There is a fantastic soundtrack for me uh, growing up in the south in Virginia bluegrass music was something that I was always
always around in spirituals and things okay. of that nature. So Oh Brother always makes me feel like I'm back in Virginia. Pulp Fiction is a fantastic soundtrack so that I love, right? It's from All beginning the Tarantino to end. movies, really. I would agree with that, yeah. The they Jackie Brown have... one, too, is yes. really good for that kind of period. Kill Bill, of soul. Yeah. great soundtrack. Kill Bill's great. Top Gun is a fantastic soundtrack for me as an 80s kid. Animal House is one I love because it's old 60s, 50s stuff. Uh, I would also throw, I guess, uh, now as we're thinking about it, the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, soundtracks yeah, are that's fantastic. A, especially if you want, like, like he was saying, you know, fun social setting, yes. right? Yeah. Which, uh, which is a little bit easier to find soundtracks than scores themselves. But, right. um, but, but it, you know, if you're if you're at like a low key party, you can play the Amelie soundtrack, and if you're oh, if you're at some bigger party, you can play the Grand Budapest Hotel soundtrack by like Desplat. You know, right. there's so there's so many options. I need to make a Spotify playlist. <laughs> there you go, and well, I'll send it to you guys. That's that's a good point. You should do that. Yes. You should do that. Well, that's that's our Saturday mailbag. Really appreciate all the questions you all have sent in, and I appreciate the most that Dorina Adelia stop by here. Adrena, where can people find you to maybe get this playlist from you for their scores and soundtracks? Um, at Evil Dorina on Twitter and Instagram and not on Facebook. And where else uh, do you do uh, anything else you want to plug here? Um, a lot. I mean, you guys, you know, uh, if you watch the other Collider shows, I show up on Collider Live, mm-hmm. sometimes on Movie Talk, Jedi Council. I also have my own channel called Super Dork House if you want to check that out. Oh. We uh, are starting to do sketches and competing with the wangers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they are better than us, but we're trying. Um, and yeah, you can catch me on the Google Talks channel as well, uh, interviewing uh, celebrities, and nice. that's about it. And occasionally on Nerdist, right? Sorry? Se- we've seen you on Nerdist, haven't no. we? No? Okay. John is wrong. I'm I've wrong. never been on Nerdist. Oh, sorry, my fault. <laughs> Google Talks. My apologies. All right, well, then you can find me at The Rogue Says on Twitter and on Instagram always, and all the stuff I do there. Mm. But I uh, really appreciate you all sending in the questions. Remember, when we put the call-outs on social media, Dorian does that as our social media manager. It's, look for them on Twitter and on Instagram. Do that hashtag, Collider Mailbag, with the question makes it easy for me to find. Or if you don't want to be on social media, you can email us, Collider at, I mean, sorry, mailbag at Collider.com. I pour through them, pick out the best questions, and our guests uh, pick them out, and we answer them. So thanks so much. Have yourselves an awesome Saturday. And don't forget, we've got another episode of Collider Mailbag tomorrow morning. Me and Dorian Parks going at it over a, fun, over a bunch of fun questions. So thanks again. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary.